Hey, welcome to the City Hills Church Podcast. We exist so that people far from God will find hope and life in Christ. My name is Brandon, and I serve as the lead pastor here at City Hills, and thanks so much for checking out this message today. So excited for you to hear it. It was a blast getting a chance to preach part two of our series, Jesus Is. This is Easter Sunday at City Hills. In this series, we're looking at who Jesus really was, who Jesus is, and who he will be. And today, we're specifically talking about how Jesus is worth it all. Hey, take a moment, check out this message. Thanks for listening today. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 1 says, Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone. What a story. And he said on it, his face shone like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. Verse 4, the guards, why don't you say that with me, the guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman, to the women, do not be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. I love verse six, six. He isn't here, for he is risen from the dead, just as he said it would happen. Come see where the body was laying. And I want to read on to verse 11. It says, as the women were on their way, so this is after this incredible thing had happened in their life, some of the guards went into the city. Say the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. Verse 12, a meeting with the elders was called, and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must pay, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while he was sleeping, and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe. Why don't you say the bribe? And they said what they were told to say. And their story spread widely among the Jews. And they still tell it today. Well, I'm glad they don't tell it anymore today. I want to talk to you. We're in a series right now as a church. We are in a series called Jesus Is. And what we're doing in that series, we're just looking at different characteristics of who Jesus is. And last week we looked at how Jesus was the Lamb of God. And we have a lot of great messages planned in this series. But um, today I want to preach a message that I just want to simply call this Easter. Jesus is worth it all. Jesus is worth it all. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what this day means. Help me with just the limited amount of speech that I have with just mere words to communicate, God, your love and who you truly are. Speak to us today now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you guys for standing with me today. I had the privilege of growing up across the street from my grandparents. Actually, both sets of grandparents were very close to me. One lived right across from the church I grew up in, and the other lived right across from my house. So I couldn't get away with anything growing up as a kid. I was always around my grandparents. But one of the fond memories that I have from living across the street from my mom's parents 
was something that we would do from time to time on Saturday mornings called yard selling. I don't know if anyone's ever been, I didn't say yard selling, I said yard selling. Yard sell. We would say, I said, what are we doing, Mamaw, today? What are we doing? We're going yard selling. Anybody ever been yard selling before? You know what I'm talking about? Well, I'll explain it to you. And for those of you that have not had this great experience, yard selling is something It doesn't just start on Saturday morning with the yard, ste- yard sale. It starts throughout the week whenever you get the paper in the mail. And the paper says where all the yard sales are in town. And my grandparents loved going to yard sales. So we would map out the attack plan every Friday. And then on Saturday morning, we would wake up before the sun would come up. And we would go attack the yard sales. Like we were ready to go. And we were there. We were very careful to be there at the one we wanted to be at the most. We were there before the people even got outside of their house. Because we didn't want to be late. Because the later you were, you missed all the good stuff, right? So, so we wanted to be in, and we wanted to be there at first. And by the time you got to the end of the day, you know, there's just a bunch of old socks that nobody wants to buy. You know, you're wondering why people are selling it. And, but we would get there in the morning because we love to yard sell. And I'll be honest, as a teenager, I was so embarrassed by yard selling as a kid. Um, one story in particular, I'm reminded of a time where I was with my grandparents and we were, I was, I did not have my license. I was in high school and we were yard selling that Saturday. And I'll never forget the house that we were at that day. I could take you back to, I don't know that I remember any of the other houses we ever went to over the years at yard sales, but I can take you back to this house this day. Like it's in my mind. I, I just about know the address. I know the road it's on. If we back, went back to my hometown, I could take you to this house. And it sticks out to me because I, because at this yard sale, my grandmother bought something that was a special find, she thought. I'll never forget. It was in the back of the garage where the yard sale was, and it was a toilet. I don't know what she spent. I want to think in my mind. I should have called her and asked her, but, but, it, but I believe she spent $5, and she bought a toilet at a yard sale. And uh, I remember being a teenager being mortified at the fact that, there, that I had to put a toilet in the back of my grandparents' Hunter Green Bonneville, and, and it wouldn't shut. You know, the trunk wouldn't shut. So we had a toilet sticking out of the back of the car, and I was, I, was in the, I was in the floorboard because I was terrified that one of my friends would see me. But something about yard sales, my grandparents love yard, going to yard sales. And here's why. They love it because they get a product for less price. They love it because what they get, they get more what they believe for, for less. And this trait passed on down to my mother to where we would go shopping, it's, it rings in my, in my, in my ears. I'll, I'll always remember my mom when we would go shopping, I would ask her, hey mom, can I get this? Or can I get this shirt? Or can I get these pair of pants? And she would make the same statement every time. We'll, we'll wait till it goes on sale. 
It doesn't matter if that shirt was 80% off on the clearance rack. She would say, well, let's just wait until it goes a little bit more on sale. Did anybody have a parent or a grandparent like that? You know what I'm saying? It's the clearance rack. I still go first to the clearance rack because I think if I didn't, I'd get in trouble. Like my grandparents are going to come and say, what are you doing paying all that money for that? You know? Why? Because there's something in me that said you can get more for less. And as I began to think about this day and thinking about Easter, I, th- I thought about how many times, and even though this is, it's fun to do, my grandparents, it's, it's more of a fun thing for them. They just enjoy it. They want to get more product for less price. Whenever it comes to our walk with God, there's no such thing as giving less and getting more. As a matter of fact, there's never... The gospel, there's, Jesus is never on the clearance rack anywhere. He never goes on sale. You can never buy him at a yard sale at a discount price. As a matter of fact, the gospel is always one price, and here's the price, everything. That with Jesus, it's not just Jesus plus something else, but it's, it's all of me to him Jesus, you have all of my life. You have all of my future. You have all of me. I want to give my life to you. And I'll be honest, um, this week has, has been a really hard week for me because of taking time to plan what was going to be preached today on this Easter Sunday. Because here's what I know, that there, are, there I knew there would be a lot of visitors. I knew there'd be a lot of beautiful people here today, like just like there are, and guests that are here today. And and, and there's something in me that wants to, to, to say, oh, let's, let's, if I could just preach the greatest message that's ever been preached before, you know? If we could sing the best songs that's ever been sung before, if I could just make the greatest promises that's ever been promised before, then, that, that the people that come today, they'll say, you know what, I'm not going to miss out next week again. That there's something in me that wants to sell Jesus. There's something in me that wants to say, well, look, if you come, then everything in your life's going to be great, and your kids are going to love kids' ministry, and we got small groups for all ages, and we have all of these wonderful things that you're going to love and enjoy, and man, we're having ice cream next week, and, and all these things. We, we want you to come back, but there's another aspect of me that has been shaken to my core to realize this, that, that Jesus does never, Jesus never goes on sale. As a matter of fact, at his Easter crowds, if you will, He had one call, and the call was simply this, to come and die. The call was simply this, to to have everything. And I was shaken to my core thinking what I usually do is I usually put the emphasis on the parts of the gospel that I think everybody wants to hear, you know. And I de-emphasize it in these moments, but I think I do something to cheapen who Jesus really is in these moments. Because Easter is the reminder That there is a God in heaven that is so holy, so incredible, that there's not one thing in this world that could ever compare to his majesty and to his splendor.
And I'm reminded in this story, we read the passage, we read the, the great story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isn't it incredible? The stone was rolled away and the angel on top of the stone. And man, it's just the story of, of, of God's great grace and God's great power, what he did. And we normally go to the actors in the story, Mary and Martha. We, we imagine them being there at the tomb. At least I do in my mind's eye. In every passion play, I've always focused on Mary and Martha being there at the tomb. But they weren't the only ones there. The guards were there too. You see, in Matthew chapter 27, the, the, it's funny that the leaders, the religious leaders of the day had more stock in Jesus saying he was going to rise again than, than, than did the disciples of Jesus. The, the religious leaders said, hey, this guy said he was going to rise again in three days. So we need to make sure we put some guards at the door. So make sure that, that if his followers try to come or something crazy tries to happen, that we'll have some people there to set it straight. So they stationed guards at the temple. They stationed guards not just at the temple, but at the tomb. And just like Mary and Martha were there whenever the stone was rolled away and Easter Sunday was there, there were, there were guards that were there as well. And I found it fascinating that, that Jesus showed himself resurrected, that the story of resurrect, resurrection was not just to Mary and Martha, but it was also to two or more nameless guards that were there. Could you imagine what it would even be like to be in that moment? Like you're just going about your business, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're uh, just a, a soldier, you're just a, you know, going about your post, there's nothing special, you may, man, you're playing cards, you're just, you're just going about trying to pass the time, and then there's a rumbling, and then there's an earthquake, and then there's an angel, and it got, it freaked them out so much that the Bible says they just fell down. Like they were like, this is crazy, I don't know what just happened, and they witnessed the greatest event in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And something I hadn't seen until this week is that they, they go back to the leaders and they say, hey, we saw the resurrection. You'll never believe it. We were there just going about our posts. We were playing cards and doing what we do and nothing out of the ordinary until there was an earthquake and then there was this angel and there's this big stone. Remember the stone that we rolled over the grave? Remember this stone that we put over and he was inside? Well, the stone was rolled away and the, the tomb was empty. He wasn't there. He was risen just like he said he was. And these people who didn't follow him, these just nameless guards with their eyes got to see the miracle of Easter. And the next thing that happens, the, the, the religious leader says, shh, you can't tell anybody about that. And the Bible says they offered them a bribe. Imagine this, they offered them a bribe, a large bribe. And here's the bribe. Don't tell anybody what happened. And whenever people ask you, here's what you got to say. Tell them that the disciples did it. Like tell them that, that it, was, it, was, it was his followers that they really did it. And I was angry at these guys until I realized that, you know what? I do the same thing. When I trade the riches and the majesty of Jesus Christ for the temporary hush money of the world. For the temporary things of this earth. Where are some of the things that they traded it for? This is in your notes. I want you to walk with me through this passage. Here's the first aspect of your notes. What did, they, what did it cost them to forget about the resurrection in their life? Temporary acceptance was the first thing it cost them. Temporary acceptance. The leaders of their day supported them not to live out what they had experienced. 
I'll say this, that whenever you leave this place, that maybe some of you are even in this place right now and you think, well, if I really came all in with Jesus, if I really gave my life completely to Him, if I went all in, that there would be some people that would not understand me and there would be some people that, that would not approve of what I am doing, doing. And instead of the riches of Christ, instead of the resurrection of Jesus, I'd rather have just some people's approval along the way. I'd rather have some people that just approve of me. What I've found in my life is that following Christ will almost always be in direct opposition to the approval addiction in my heart. I have it. I got an addiction to being approved by other people, to receiving applause by other people. And what I found is that the cross, Jesus Christ, me following after him, goes in direct opposition to that. I'll never forget as a teenager, whenever God completely transformed my life, I went from, from partying with, with, my, with the guys I was playing football with to being radically changed and radically saved by the power of God. And I started taking my Bible to school. And I remember friends looking at me and saying, dude, you're so weird. There's nothing wrong with saying you're a Christian. We're all Christians here at this school. But, it, but you need to quit, acting, quit being all crazy about being a Christian. You know what I'm saying? See, we live in a culture that's just like that. Well, just say you're a Christian, but don't live it out. Because when you start living it out, it, start changing, it starts changing everything. And I'll never forget, I got, a, I got a desire to start a Bible study in my school. And man, this was so far out of my comfort zone because I wanted to be popular. I wanted to be in the in crowd. I wanted to get invited to all the, all the good parties. And I started a Bible study in my school. And I, um, I, I, I've created these little flyers. And they were so corny. Like they had like a little A, B, C, like little like blocks, like kids blocks on them. And it would say A, B, C, U at Bible study this Tuesday out after school, you know? It was terrible, terrible. And then, I mean, it was as creative as I could get as a junior in high school, you know? I, I was trying to come up with these things and, 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 and I, would cut, I would print them off on my computer. I'd cut them up, you know, six little uh, invitations to a, to a page. And, and I remember I would stand outside and I would pass them out to my friends as they would leave school. We had a couple thousand people in my high school and I remember I would get out a couple minutes early and I would stand. If people would go to their cars, I would stand and I would hand out these, these little invitations to my little Bible study. And with every invitation I would hand out, I would feel a little bit less cool and a little bit less cool and a little bit less cool and a little bit less cool. And I'll, I'll never forget people that I, that I used to party with, people I used to hang out with. I'll never forget them looking at me, taking those, taking some of my flyers and wadding them up and throwing them on the ground. And I had a choice to make. Am I going to sell what I have found with Jesus so that I have a couple friends in high school that are going to accept me? Or am I going to truly live out this thing what he's called me to? Because what I found is that Jesus is worth it. These guards failed to understand truly the worth of who Jesus was. They thought it was worth a simple bribe and some acceptance from a friend. Matthew chapter 10 verse 37 says, Anyone who loves the, their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Some people hate this verse, but I love this verse. Because to me it represents a God who knows what he's all about. 
It represents a God that says, you know what? If you want somebody else more than me, you can have them. Because I will not settle for anything less. You can try to live your life and be satisfied by the things of this world. But I'm not going to cheapen my grace. Because you can go and try it. But at the end of the day, you'll really find out it's empty. And you'll find out I'm really the God that I said I was. And I'm really worth it. I'm really worth everything that He said. I love that He says, I'm a great God. He, God's not begging. Say, oh, would you please just follow me? No. God's saying, look who I am. Look at the resurrection. We should be the ones begging him. But they missed it. They missed the point what it was all about. Here's the second thing that, they, that cost them this experience was temporary pleasure. They did get some temporary acceptance and they did get some temporary pleasure. These men were paid off with money to change their story. I wonder what they bought with the money. I got thinking about that this week. What did they buy with the money? You ever had something that you wanted so bad and after you got it, it wasn't worth it? You ever had a car you just couldn't live without? And man, after you've had the car six months, you'd pay anybody just to take it away from you? <laughs> you, ever, you ever had something you wanted so bad and you realize, you know what, it really didn't satisfy you like you thought it would? I wonder what they bought with the money. And I wonder what we buy with the money. What do we buy with the things that we trade for our God? We miss the point of what it's all about. See, what I've learned is that life is like playing Monopoly. Whenever we're done, it doesn't matter how much we've accumulated. All of the money goes back in the box. All of the hotels go back in the box. All of the houses go back in the box. It doesn't matter if you own Boardwalk or Park Place or, 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 or whatever it was that you owned. Or if you own four railroads or two railroads. When your time is up, it all goes back in the box. It's just temporary. It doesn't last. And too many times we miss out on what's really important because we're looking at things that don't really matter. I'm reminded of, of my wife's little brother. She has a little adopted brother that's nine years old. And a couple years ago, my, my, my big brother-in-law, he's a couple years younger than us, he got his little brother a Xbox for Christmas. And I don't know how old he was. I want to probably say about five years old or so. And I'll never forget because my brother-in-law, Landon, had spent a lot of money on this Xbox. And he was trying to be very, very, uh, very, you know, very considerate of his little brother. So he, he got in this Xbox. And what we found found out is that he didn't care about the Xbox. As a matter of fact, he cared about the box of the Xbox more than the Xbox itself. He played with the box more than he did the Xbox. <laughs> Why? Because he, he, didn't re, he, didn't, he wasn't mature enough to understand the value. How many times we look at all the riches of Christ and all the things and we, took a, we look at the box, we look at this world, we look at the fleeting pleasures of life and we miss the real thing that's important, the God of it, the one who created it. We look at the beauty of what God created. Instead of worshiping the creator, we worship the creature. We worship what God created and we take it and we build it up and we drive in it and we turn it into all these things, God's creation. At the end of the day, the creator, the Xbox is there all the while saying, you've missed what's truly valuable. I recently heard a story about a girl who was dating a guy and things were getting very serious. They were actually talking about marriage. But then he started acting very distant. She said, what's going on? Why do you seem to be treating me so differently? And he said, well, I'm really struggling right now because all my life I've envisioned myself with a hot blonde surfer chick who was fit physically into fashion. 
So he told this girl, in my mind, I've been trying to decide whether I wait for my dream girl or if I settle for you. Hmm. Went on to say, I'm not saying I don't need this relationship. I just need some time to think about it. I've got a question. If this was your daughter, what advice would you give her? <laughs> How many would say, dump him? Come on, let me see your hand. <laughs> what would you tell your daughter? You'd say, baby, you dump him as fast as you can because you deserve better than that. And he does not truly recognize who you are. And I'll be honest, there's something in me this Easter Sunday that's risen up from the inside about God lately to say, you know what? We try to compare God to all these things of this earth. And I believe God says, you know what? I'm either, I'm either Lord of all or I'm not Lord at all in your life. And here's the thing. If you, wanna, if you can look at God and you can look at the things of this world and you say, I'll take the world, God says, hey, you can have it. All the, all the schemes, all the ways we could say, well, could you please do this? Could you please do that? Could you please come? Could you please give? Could you please? God's saying, could you just get a vision of who I am? Because that's what really matters in my life. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, it's in your notes. I love this scripture. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And with joy, why don't you say it with me? With joy. He went and sold everything that he had and bought the field. God says, that's what the kingdom's like. It's something that whenever you stumble over how great Jesus is and how awesome Jesus is, you say, man, I'll get rid of everything that I have. It doesn't matter what I have to give. Whatever I can do to apprehend Christ, I want to make sure of that because the treasure is so much greater than anything that I currently possess. So what was the treasure? Here's on the back of your notes. Walk through it with me. Because what I love is that Mary and Martha, they didn't listen to the crowd. They actually followed it. And here's what the guards missed out. Here's the first thing is the eternal purpose. Eternal purpose. <laughs> These two ladies got to be a part of the great purpose of God. I love what Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. And God says this, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I love this about God. I was stressing all week, God, I just got to preach the greatest sermon. And God took me to that scripture and said, no, 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 you don't. I will be exalted. Like this is bigger than you. This is bigger than you. You don't have to convince people to try to love me. I can, I can just in one moment of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna, you, just, you just trust me, son. I'm going to be exalted on the earth. Malachi chapter 1 verse 11 in this passage, there's all these people trying to give God all these sacrifices, all these broke down sheep and kind of not giving their best to God. And here's what God says. My name will be great among the nations. In other words, if you don't praise him, somebody's going to. It says, from where the sun rises to where it sets in every place, incense and pure offerings that we brought to me because my name will be great among the nations. God says, you just mark it down. There's going to be somebody somewhere that's going to give their praise and give their worship to me. The scripture in one point says, if we don't praise him, the very rocks will cry, will cry out to him. There are people around our world that are literally sacrificing their life for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to say, I want to be part of that crew that says God is greater than anything in 
this world. God is greater. There's nothing like my God. I love a God that says, I, I'm just, I will. <laughs> I love that. God says, I, I'm better, and I'm not going to let you settle. I'm just the best. So if you don't want me, you can try me. If you got something better to do, than, then you just go try that. But it's going to be empty because I'm exactly who I said it is. I was because Jesus is worth it all. <laughs> uh, I, I, the story of Apple computers has always um, been so interesting to me. And I read the biography of Steve Jobs. And in the biography, it tells about how the company started. And there were actually three founders of Apple Computers. It was Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak, and then a man named Ronald Wayne. Most people don't know about Ronald Wayne. He was the legal background but behind the startup. He crafted a lot of the legal terms and, and set up the incorporation of the business and all those type of things. And he had a couple thousand dollars invested in, in the company. And for that, he had a one-third stake in Apple Computers. Can I get a witness, somebody? But a couple months, if you know anything about the story of Steve Jobs, he was kind of a loose cannon at time to time, from time to time. And Wayne got nervous at, at what was happening in the company. And a couple months into Apple Computers, he sold, I want to say he, didn't own, he did not own a third. He owned a 10% stake in the company. He sold his 10% of the company for $2,300. Here's what the book said. Had he stayed and kept his 10% stake, at the end of 2010, it would have been worth approximately $2.6 billion. Instead, he was living alone in a small home in Paul Rupp, Nevada, where he played the penny slot machines and lived off his social security check. $2,300 for $2.6 billion. And I wonder what we trade the grace of God for. I promise there'll never be a day where you look back and you regret giving your life to Jesus Christ. I promise. I want to say this. This is for anybody and everybody. It doesn't matter what your past is like. It doesn't matter how many mistakes that, you, that you've made. It doesn't matter what you did last night or what you did this morning. We serve a God who can make all things new. Because here's the incredible thing about God. It's not that He needs us, but He wants us. He wants us to worship Him. I love, here's the second thing. We receive eternal power. Eternal power. Jesus answered, He said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. He said this about His own body. Man, I love being associated with that kind of God where He says, hey, I, I will. Like, I'll, you can destroy this body, but I'll raise it up again. I can't even say I will go to the store after, after this service. I don't know. I can say I'll try. I can say I might, but I don't know if my car is going to get a, a flat tire. I don't know if my oil is going to go out all over the... I don't know what's going to happen in my life. I could say I'll try. I might. I maybe. I'll do my best to. But you know what? We serve a God. He says, I will do do it. I'm full of power. I'm full of might. And if I promise it, that's exactly what I'll do. Here's the last thing. Eternal life. Eternal life is what we're promised. I love the way Paul convinced people to follow Jesus. Acts chapter 17, it says, The God who made this world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and He does not live in temples built with hands. He's not served by human hands as if He needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everything life and breath and everything else. 
See, this goes exactly against how I was taught to lead people to Jesus. <laughs> I was always taught when you try to convince people to lead to Jesus and follow him, you need to start with all the wonderful things that he's going to do in their life. But Paul doesn't. He, stalks, he starts with the fact that look how awesome God is. He doesn't need anything. He's so incredible. He's so full of power. He's so full of might. It goes on to say in verse 26, From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that they would seek him, perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he be not far from any one of us. God says, I put, my, I put you right where you are for a reason, so that you would follow after me. You know what? Jesus brought you to this service today. This Easter service here at City Hills Church. Not so you could be a member of the church or anything like that. That'd be great. We'd love for you to be a part. But Jesus brings us all here to this Easter service to let you know we're where we are for this purpose and for this reason. Because we serve a great God who rose from the grave and he gives us an opportunity to follow after him with all of our heart. 1 John 1 verse 8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins... He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all righteousness. You know what that means? No matter how many mistakes that you've made today, what Easter reminds us is that we serve a God who gives us eternal life by faith. You say, no, no, it's, it's, gotta, it's gotta be harder than that. It says if, we're, if we'll confess it, he'll forgive it. No, it's gotta be harder than that, Brandon. You, I, you don't know how bad I am. You don't know what I've done in my life. It's, I, I need to do some things to get God to like me. And I say, no, 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 no. If you'll confess your sins today, he's faithful and just to forgive you. That today can be a brand new day. The Bible says, Peter replied in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and to your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God shall call. I want to give you one challenge and one charge today. In light of who Jesus is, in light of what do we do whenever we look at how incredible he is, here's the call. We just read it. Here's the first, here's what it says. Repent and be baptized. That's what the scripture says. You say, no, I've made too many mistakes. What do I do, preacher? I don't know what to do. This is a great day for you. It's a great day for all of us. Today is a day you can repent. What being baptized means, it's, we're going to have a baptism here in a couple weeks. You can fill it out on your connection card if you, if you want to make that step. Maybe you've never been water baptized before as, as, a, as a believer. What that means, it shows a death to your old life and a resurrection to a brand new life. Jesus says, hey, I'm worth it. I want to make something very clear. If you give your life to Jesus Christ, no guarantee that you're going to be rich, no guarantee that you're never going to have health problems, no guarantee your kids aren't always going to be on the honor roll. It's no guarantee that everything's just going to go perfect in your life. But I'll tell you what, there is one guarantee. Here's what you'll get. You'll get Jesus. See, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. If you'll get him, I promise, he's worth it. Father, we come before you today saying we need you. I say I need you. This Easter Sunday, I thank you for the resurrection. 
Thank you for showing us truly who you are. God, I pray for people that are here today. Holy Spirit, would you convict hearts and lives today? Let this be a day, a fresh day. Thanks again for taking time to listen to this message today. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life, how we can help serve you better, and give you some next steps on your walk with God. Take a moment and email us at info at cityhills.com. Also, if you'd like to help support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting cityhills.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope to see you soon here at City Hills Church.